0: what's going on everybody wanted to give a special thanks uh, to some people that have been supporting me for a long time Uh, lots of things going on in joey svensson land uh, lots of different projects and uh, things that i've talked a little bit about but lots of plans that i'm not talking about and so it is it's just uh it's nice to have people that are kind of supporting me blindly somewhat uh, but I've been in contact with a lot of you, and you just your position is, hey, we like you, We think you're on to something. We don't think you're perfect, but we would love uh, to put some money towards uh, you know, just some of the internet stuff that you're doing and some of the things that you're saying. as you know, it gets as simple as some of the things I'm saying uh, and people I'm listening to. and it's just like this whole family of people that belong together and kind of want to are after the same things. And one way to, to do that is uh, financial resources. Like for example, I do that with the uh, Bible for normal people support Pete ends and Jared bias over there. So it's definitely something cool to do. Something makes you feel good. And, and it's a new way of how things work by basically supporting uh, free media. So I definitely want to thank Michael Wilson. You've been supporting me for so long, man, at such a uh, high level. And all of these folks, just so much thanks. Uh, some of you are not supporting me anymore, and I just wanted to give you kind of like one final thanks. Who knows? Maybe I'll thank you again. But uh, Michael Wilson, Jonathan Cornwell, Chris Abbott, Robbie Ethert, Ethert, uh, Alicia Sell, Logan Woods, Scott Swan, Michael E. Burton, Austin D. Hill, Kevin Ming, Grant uh, Smith, Paul Wheeler, Camden Perez, Mike Anderson, Phil Evans, Thank you all very much. And today, just going to leave you guys with kind of a uh, funny situation. So I came to church on a Sunday and we pretty much had like a big technology meltdown. So I decided to just go ahead and pick up the notes in which our uh, teaching pastor was going to be using and uh, then just kind of uh, pulled together uh, a Joey Svensson way of sharing that material and I ended up being able to talk for like forty five minutes on how much we suck uh, as as uh as people in general and then Christians specifically, and how nice God is to all of us <laughs> so something I like to talk about got to talk about it, spur of the moment thank god i don 't get nervous about stuff like that, but then at the same time that's that's uh that 's a vice as well because that that's a that 's a recipe for a very loose canon. Uh, but you guys sometimes want to uh, re- y'all reach out and say, hey, you have any sermons? And some of you, that's the last thing you want to listen to right now. So we'll catch you next week. Uh, but for those of you that get into this sort of thing, you guys enjoy. And uh, thanks again for listening. All right. How's everybody doing? All right. That's good. That's good. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have a good time this morning. You guys are going to offer me some grace because I just found out I was teaching about an hour ago. And... Uh, I actually like it this way, and I'll tell you why. Is because I feel like I am currently a student in the material. In fact, I'm, I'm still waiting on a text back from one of our Seacoast researchers because I have a question for him, and if it pops up, I'm going to take a little pause. And be like, Ooh, Oh, cool. That's what I needed to know, and then I'll put it in my notes. You guys will benefit from that. Um, but no, I really do – because, see, I uh, – and, and not everybody's supposed to be this way. This is, this is just um, me here, but I, I personally – when I ever have an opportunity to teach, I, I, can't, I can't walk in that completely because I know how much of a student I still am and I look out here and I'm like, my gosh, there's people out here that are smarter than me. I just happen to be up here. And so I just, uh, I like this opportunity to kind of be looking at the text and uh, looking at Darren Patrick's notes. I know a lot of y'all are upset. You're like, oh, the Sunday Darren Patrick is supposed to teach that technology fails and we have to listen to that guy. But uh, I'll t- yes. Thank you. Thank you. That's an elder of our church. See, that's how we work here. Everybody's just free to say whatever. I mean, Stuart's been here forever, and that's the kind of uh, stuff that he just throws at me. And I'm glad he's comfortable to do that. <laughs> um, hey, I, I was. Uh, it-, it is funny though when I found out I was teaching. Um, I'm i uh, I'm like a-, a a comfort and convenient dresser, uh, like attire. And I realized I was like, my gosh, my socks do not work for this at all and uh and then it made me think of just how much of a blessing you guys probably realize robbie madison being on staff affecting the culture of like being able to dress right as a male and just kind of having some style lord knows we didn't have that with our last worship leader and toby don't have it in me so we are benefiting from uh robbie madison being around and maybe picking up a, a little bit of style a little bit here and there so uh the uh the topic at hand is, is Jonah, and I love the fact that that's what we're talking about because it's just right up my alley because this whole message is going to highlight how everybody is so messed up, always have been, they were through the Bible, the people closest to Jesus were, uh, all of us are, we all will be, there's an element of life Uh, that is yet to be redeemed and we will always feel the effects of that because our final place of salvation is glorification and that is when all of the bad stuff the things of this world the heartache the pain the anger the short fuses the resentment the unforgiveness and all of that stuff will be uh no longer and that's that's just something that we have to grapple with here so let me tell you this i think uh and I have asked for a uh, AC adjustment. It just takes a little bit to um, so apologize for that. But I really do think that one of the, the most fascinating, and I say fascinating in a very negative way right now, and mind boggling thing that has ever happened when it comes to uh, Christianity, is that it turned into a, a belief system of how to do the right things. That, is mind-boggling to me. It, it, it almost doesn't make sense. And, and the reason why is because you, you read scripture and it is so clear. It cannot be any clearer. It is not about that. It is not about that. You read Jesus. You hear his words. We'll get to some of them here in a second. Oh my gosh, it's not about that. You look through the Old Testament. I mean, let let me just give you a a crash course here. All right, so uh, those of you that came from Pentecostal churches like myself, y'all remember singing about the Lion of Judah, and Judah is such a solid figure uh, in in Jesus's ancestry and everything. Well, Judah was actually tricked by his daughter-in-law. She basically pawned herself off as a prostitute, and so he slept with his daughter-in-law. Now, In his defense, he didn't know it was his daughter-in-law, but he did believe it was a prostitute, had twins with his daughter-in-law, and one of them carried on the blood and the lineage in which we now have Savior and Jesus. You have Rahab in that same line, who was not a fake prostitute. She was a prostitute. And that's another part of the lineage of Jesus. So, so it's just like this huge redemption story that's happening. It's happening in y'all's individual lives. It's happening in me. It's happening everywhere you see. It's happening in major stories like this that's now recorded for you know, billions of people to read. But you know, we think, oh yeah, no, yeah, that's Old Testament. Those are kind of extreme examples. Okay. Well, how about uh, basically this is after Jesus told his disciples, hey, we got to feed these people. We can't send them away hungry. That's how. That's how much Jesus just had compassion on people. I mean, Jesus could have said, "Hey, I gave them a good word. They can take care of their own daggum food." You, you go take. He's like, "No, I want to feed them before they leave." And and we see one of those miracles. A little bit. I mean, in the same chapter we read, where there was a town in which they kind of uh, said, "Yeah, we don't care about this gospel. See y'all later. Take this message to someone else." We don't want you. And the disciples asked, the same guy that just taught them not to send people away hungry. They said, shall we call fire upon this town to burn them all? And Jesus is like, no. I like how the gospel says it says, Jesus rebuked them. And then that was yeah. it. <laughs> it's probably because people bit Jesus. Oh, my gosh. He said that. that no. Jesus. I, I guarantee you there was a stern conversation like, what in the world is wrong with you? I just taught you to beat people, and you're talking about fire them, like burning them. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. And so, you and I, let's let's really let's really take this in. And and I, I believe you can camp too long in this mindset too. You know, we can we can come to this point in our faith where we beat ourselves up too much. We oh, we're just nothing. We're we're nobodies, and all that stuff. And that's not healthy either. But I do believe that it could be good to dedicate maybe one Sunday to just how messed up humanity is and how God is wondrously just turning that tide and bringing beauty out of all of this stuff that we see. So uh, the, the, what we're going to see with the story of Jonah is that God graciously exposes us. He exposes the things that are not good for us. Exposes the things that are not good for us. So, I mean, think, think about the, the things that we find ourselves trapped in. I mean, um, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a story about uh, Friday night, and I, I thought about it, and I was just like, well, I can tell them a story about how messed up I am, and I was like, hmm, let me think. Oh, I don't have to think too much further than two nights ago, and it's kind of embarrassing, I'll be honest with you, so, um, but, uh, I, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm kind of in a great season of life. I feel real good about things, and I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, you know, even keel, don't, I'm not easily angered, I'm not easily stressed out, like I'm legitimately, uh, contrary to somebody, I'll be like, liar, but like I'm not stressed out about this situation, I'm just kind of a chill guy for the most part, and so when something knocks me off that it's surprising for me, Lord help my wife, it's surprising for her. But it's like there's these moments where it's just like I just lose my cool. And, and so Friday night was one of them. We had this great family day. I mean, we just had the best time. Took them for a bike ride. Took them to P.F. Chang's. Lord knows that's a blessing right there. We uh, took them to go see Dumbo. And it was just this great time with the kids. And then while we're at the theater, uh, so my wife, she had uh, put a, uh, a bed frame. Uh, my daughter's my oldest daughter 's old bed frame on Facebook marketplace well, as I get older i just i 'm forgetting a lot i 'm misplacing things. And I hear it just gets worse from here. It's kind of frustrating. But basically, um, I had uh, thrown, I, I took the bed apart and I have no idea where all the bolts are. Just raise your hand if that's happened to you. You took something apart, you put it in storage, and now you don't know where the bolts are. And uh, my wife is in like, get stuff out of the house mode and sell stuff in there and I don't have the bolts. So it's like, okay. So my father-in-law, he happens to know everything. He builds tools, much less uses them, but he like makes houses out of his hands and stuff. And so he, he basically, he, he took a part of the bed off and uh, he said, look, it's simple. And he's very kind. It, there's so many times where he could say, how did my wife marry someone so dumb with tools and everything, he's a very kind man. So he didn't say that. He took the bolt out and he said, look, you just need bolts like this. Go to Lowe's, Home Depot, they'll, they'll take care of it. So I did that and then I have no idea where I put those bolts <laughs> and so I get up the next morning <laughs> and we're supposed to uh oh yeah no not ne- not next morning we're at the movie uh theater and uh so so we're we're about to leave to go to the movies and Priscilla's like hey you need to grab those bolts and put them on the front porch with that bed frame and I was like bolts the bolts oh those bolts I, oh, yeah I know where they are and I'm like oh my gosh where are these things so In this situation, it was like everything was in the last 24 hours, so I could retrace my my steps. I found uh, the bolts, so I put them on the the bed stand, but then the part of the bed that my father-in-law took off to take to Lowe's We get a text during the movie saying, hey, came and picked up the bed. There seems to be a piece missing. Uh, Do you guys know anything about that? And I told Priscilla, hey, I think I left the van unlocked and I think it's in there. Just tell him to go in and grab it. He can't find it for anything. So I get home after a great family time and I'm thinking, oh, that guy just doesn't know how to look for things. Um, Hopefully you're not visiting here this morning. Um, He was very gracious. but basically, basically, I I really expected I was going to go right to the car, open up the door, grab the thing, and and take it to his house, and we're all good. It wasn't there, and I promise you, to this day, I'm like I've I moved like to get the bolts, I I literally had to move that little pipe away and pick them up. I knew it was there, but apparently it wasn't. So. For the next hour and a half, instead of like watching another movie with Priscilla or just hanging out or whatever, I'm looking everywhere for this thing. And it starts to get to the point where I'm losing my mind. Like I'm losing it. And everything in me is saying, Joey, stop looking for it. Just stop. Like you're working yourself up here. You're getting a little too out of hand. And I didn't listen to it. So after taking, you know, those gigantic recycling bins and literally just like, Fumbling them and take, going through all the trash. I take the kitchen trash can and I dump it in the garbage disposal. We had guests over the night before. It was disgusting. But I was like, I'm going to find this thing. And every time I thought about stopping, I was like, but I'm, I'm so close. So Priscilla comes in the room. She said, did you break the pantry door? I was, I was like, like, no, I didn't break the pantry door. And I really that was that was my honest answer. And then she said, well, come here. And she pointed to like this little... It was little, but it is a complete dent. Like it went in. She's like, well, what's that? I said, oh, I did throw something. I didn't know that that happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so here, but, but here, here's the beauty of all of this. So when I'm talking about God exposing things, I really and truly believe that, I, I have, that, that God met me in that situation and that night. And also the older I get, the more emotional I get. So sorry if I have to take a little pause here. But and and some of these will be pretty dramatic thoughts and, and you guys that know me well you know this is where my mind goes but I thought to myself I was like all right so the two things I was freaking out about is one being inconvenience because I didn't want to have to go pick up the bed frame from this guy and then find another place for it and then you know go give him his money back I just didn't want yeah, you know the to do list and just having one more thing to do I didn't want to do that and then he paid us thirty dollars thirty dollars like thirty dollars. I like $30, and I was like, I don't want to lose that $30. So, I mean, the money and time. And I, 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 it was just, it was so clear. I felt like God was saying, let's think about this. Your son just asked you to play video games at, before he goes to bed. And, and you've been looking for this thing for 45 minutes. You know you're not going to find it. You cannot give it up. And I thought to myself, I was like, what if that was the last thing my kids ever saw me doing was freaking out about $30 and being inconvenienced and looking all over the house for a tiny little white pipe that honestly does not matter. If the guy doesn't get his bed, I'll take it off his hands. I'll give him his money back and we're good. $30 doesn't matter. But I mean, what what if something were to have, have happened to me that night? That's the last thing my kids remembered. And I know that's not necessarily, that would be an unhealthy thought if I was beating myself up. This was not like a beating myself up thing, but I was like, life is just too short and too precious and the relationships that I have with people is too valuable to lose a whole hour in in, in freak out mode and just I understand there's certain situations where you can't give up because it is significant you do have to take but for me in that situation I was like from now on whenever I am put out twenty five thirty dollars I'm going to let that be a reminder of how worthless worrying about money is and actually thank God. Lord, thank you that I just lost $25 because it's a good reminder that that doesn't even matter anyway. And then I thought to myself, you know, every time I feel inconvenience, I want to flip the script on that and just ask God, Lord, every time I feel inconvenience, let that be a reminder of how precious every single minute is and how every single minute we have is is time with God and and, and, and just the, the blessing of being around friends and family and all that stuff. And so I know it sounds like, oh, wow, that's, that's, that's great. I, it really was one of those moments for me. It's not like I feel like I, I get these sort of things all the time. But it was, it was life-changing. And I really feel like it was God's way of exposing something to, for me and then changing something for the long haul. And, and I will say this, that it is very clear in the Bible that God, for those of us, who have our attention on God and, and, and we're seeking truth and we're receiving his love and all that, there's, there's no punishment for us. Please, for those of you that say, yes, I'm a Christian or I've been a Christian for a while and you know, I, have, I have knowledge of the gospel and everything. Okay, well, if you have knowledge of the gospel, right there is your clue that there is no punishment for you. So whenever you have a really bad day, do not let your mind go towards, man, God's really putting it to me because I haven't been doing such and such. That's not how it works. That's anti-gospel. But here's what we are told. God disciplines us because he loves us. I feel like I was disciplined Friday night. And I feel the recipient of a loving God. I don't feel condemned. I feel more loved and accepted that I really feel like like God showed me something in that vulnerable, yucky moment in which the next morning I apologized to my kids for. And then God met me there. Just pretty unbelievable. And so that's what we see in uh, Jonah. And Jonah, it's, it's hilarious, man. So, so let's, uh, let's, let's turn to your notes real quick. And a missionary is a person who has received the good news about Jesus and seeks to share that news with others. You know, that story of uh, just how this story kicks off just puts the, it just gives you the whole vibe of who Jonah is. So basically, he is called to go to a city and help them turn from the stuff that's destroying them. As an act of mercy, God is saying, please go to those people and help them out, teach them their wicked ways, help them to turn from all of that because i want to give them life i want them to know that they're loved because i really do love everyone for god so loved the world hey please go turn those people around and i'll be with you and check this out jonah didn't not want to go because he was tired or inconvenienced he didn't want to go because he didn't want them to be the recipients of god's love is that not hilarious All right, so so we're talking about a a faith. In 2019, when we think of Christian, what do we say? He's a good Christian man. What does that even mean? What, What does that mean? Now, do I say that sort of phrasing? Yeah, that's a good guy right there. Sure, I think we all know what we're talking about. But Jesus actually did not give people that liberty. Someone came up to him and said, hey, good teacher. And he stopped him and even went kind of, Theologically, off the trail a little bit and said, why do you call me good? Only the Father is good. Now, we, we have our, a part of our Christian belief is that the Father and the Son are one. So we're not reading that as Jesus saying, I'm not even good, but he's basically calling attention to their warped framework of good. He's like, don't do, like if you can see anything in this world and call it good and really mean that, you've got something warped going on in your viewpoint. And you need to remember that the source of all goodness is God. And that's everything that's good is derived from God. There's no goodness outside of God is basically the point that he's making. And so, my gosh, you look at Jonah. And he's basically saying, I don't want to go because I don't want. Imagine that situation playing out here where I go to an elder and say, hey, this, this guy over here, really. I think he's turning towards the Lord. I really think that he is uh he's seeking god and he just needs someone to talk to can you go sit down with him real quick and our elder looks and is like not that guy i don't want him knowing god (laughs) i'd be like whoa dude that's not there's not one of us that would be like that's acceptable and yet this is a this is one of god's prophets and so we we know the story uh he he runs from god's calling gets swallowed by a big old fish if you want to sound really theologically smart, next time someone says, Jonah and the whale say, wasn't a whale, man, it was a big fish. You can sound smart for one second. It'd be cool. Because um, it never says anything about a whale. It is a big fish. So maybe it was a big shark, for all we know. Like, that's a big fish, not a whale. So anyway, Jonah gets <laughs> swallowed up by this thing. And talk about a moment. My gosh, you can learn some stuff right there. Like, a fish just swallowed me. <laughs> I think that gives you pause for thought. And I do want to say this. I think this is I think this is very worthy of adding to this message. And I do think that uh for some of you it, it may ruffle some feathers, but there are uh there are Christians that are just as diligent in seeking truth as you and I are, that are more knowledgeable of scripture than probably everybody in this room. And uh some people uh are kind of on the fence even a, there's even uh, leaders in Seacoast that are on the fence with some of the stories that we just see as like nonfiction historical There is a pause for thought in seeing some of these stories as as more allegorical and all of that stuff. Now, I'm not saying that with this story. This seems like a very historical story, and our minds just can't wrap around how in the world could all of that stuff happen. But I will say there's room at the table for Christian fellowship for well-meaning students of God's Word that would say, yeah, but the Jewish culture back then, I mean, they talked in a different way. They used stories in a different way. And so I wouldn't be so fast to write off someone who who says, yeah, I see some of these stories as as more stories. Uh, But I'm just I'm just throwing that in there. We are approaching this as a very historical thing. It seems like that's how Jesus approached it as well. And so you have uh, he's, he's swallowed by this fish. And then when he is spit back on land, if God, if God tells you something, you say no. And he like sends a monster to eat you. And then he spits you out on land. And he says, I'm telling you to do it. We're all like, okay, we'll do it. <laughs> I don't want that happening again. Please do not send something to swallow me. We will do it, sir. And so basically, that's what Noah does. I'm not Noah. That's what Jonah does. And, and God uses him incredibly. So let's, uh, let's, let's look at some of the things that God is exposing here. And, uh, and obviously, and I, and I will say this, as you can tell that I'm not too tied uh, to the story uh, with some of the points that I'm bringing in, that's because I didn't come up with this sermon last week. And so I would highly uh, encourage all of you guys to uh, watch this message online because I'm sure that uh, Darren Patrick has a lot of good insight that you guys will miss uh, this morning. Um, but so basically, look at the stuff that God's already exposing. He's exposing rebellion. I mean, here you have uh, a guy that probably to himself, he thinks, yeah, you know, me and God are good. And yet God asks him, hey, please do something. And his first thoughts are, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. How and, and, and his reasoning is because I really don't care for them to get any help from you. I mean, that's a very rebellious nature. That's basically saying, God, not only do I not want to do this and I am going to try to dodge you, but I don't think you should be doing this. Whoa, my gosh. But man, the beauty of the story is that God still uses Jonah. So please let that sink in. How many of you have gotten clear instructions from God? Now, some of you would, may would say, yeah, I've gotten clear instructions. And then if we talked about it a little more thorough, then we would see that it's a little more mysterious than that. I feel like I have gotten some clear instructions, but I always want to be, I, I be open for someone to say, Do, did, were, you know, were, you, were you really hearing from God there? Were you, know, were you really hearing from him? Be, just because that sort of accountability is good, because I don't always hear uh, perfectly from God. But if you think about if you think about, has, has any one of y'all heard clearly from God that, that you know for sure was God? Like it apparently seems as if Jonah is in this situation. Like maybe Jesus came to you in a vision or something unmistakable. And that voice said, hey, I want you to go do something. And you say no. I mean, I'm not sure if any one of us has heard so clearly from God in the same way that Jonah did and even had that opportunity to be that rebellious. And yet this guy is, this story is still being used. God's redemptive purposes are still being shown through this and please can we all see that it has nothing to do with Jonah figuring out life and figuring out how to live in relationship with God in a way that God just says, you know, go do this and Jonah goes, you know, they're just one and all that. No. He is a, he's a very rebellious person. He's very whiny. I mean, what kind of a whiner is that to say, God, I don't want them to receive your love. It's like, are you kidding me? So we should all give ourselves a hand. We're not Jonah. And then at the same time, we should say, who deserves a hand? Really, none of us. But man, how beautiful is it that if Jesus was face to face with us, he'd always want to be giving us a hand just because it would be a hand of, I love you so much. I'm so excited to spend forever with you, but it would not be a hand necessarily for just how great of a person you are because we all need to start questioning what does that even mean because all of us know the stuff that's deep down in there. We know the stuff that we're we're, we're struggling with. Some of us, it's not even deep down in there. It's if we just went to your house and observed, it'd be right in the front. We have secrets And because Christianity puts so much emphasis on this is a faith in which you do things right, we don't even have a safe environment anymore to be open about our faults and our hangups and our mistakes and our current struggles. I think, uh, and, and this is, I'm speaking in general terms, but very generally, church has become a very unsafe, for peop, uh, unsafe place for people who are currently struggling. And I would say that's not necessarily the case for a lot of you that I'm looking at, and that's not necessarily the case for a huge number of Christian gatherings. But let's also be realists, and no, that's not the case everywhere. And how unfortunate is it? Church should be the most safe place for people to open up about the depths of their hearts And yet it's a very scary place to be who we are. And that is not what God intended. So God exposes rebellion. God exposes messy people is your next one. Number two, God exposes messy people. I already gave you the example of myself and how my weird ties to $30 and being inconvenienced like ruined by night and an opportunity to spend you know, the last part of the, the day with my family. It exposed that, and then God was gracious enough to kind of lead me in a different direction. Number three, it exposes self, God exposes self-righteousness. And that's the sort of thing that I want us just to all try, try and catch ourselves to just rethink what this word good means. And I promise you, I love I love, I love using the terminology because we all kind of know what it means. when we're just like, oh man, yeah, you've got to meet that Matt guy. That's a good dude there. We all know that. That just means that he's, he's, he's trying, he's probably fun to be around, he'll do anything for you sort of thing. We're not saying he is a good person, like the depths of him is just goodness and all that, because Jesus is saying, don't do that. Like if, if you really think you can point to someone and be say that's a really good person and, and you mean the depths of their heart, that's going against everything in the Bible, it's teachings, it's narratives, you're kind of on your own little island there if that's how you see the world. If you see me in a separate light, like that's the good guy, we need him. We, we need him to lead us because he's the good guy and he's, he's got more goodness, he's probably closer and all that stuff. You don't need to be there because that's just not the reality. And and how many, how many times do we need how many more times do we need to see pastors that are having thousands of people follow them? And because our faith is such a faith of doing the right things, pastors end up in situations where there's no accountability and there's a bunch of secrets, and then we're all just shocked when we find out that they have been having an affair on their wives for 10 years. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Why are we surprised? That's the system that we set up, that we, we have this expectation. Well, they're, they're leading us, so they are apparently closer to God. Please don't put me in that category. And if you need me to be in that category, if, it, may, it may not be the right place for you because I'm just telling you, I am with you guys seeking things just as earnestly as you are. Now, do I believe that God has given me some very natural leadership abilities that make me a good fit for this job, kind of in a, in a general way? Yes. Do I believe that there, there's probably something deeper to it and that God would even say, no, I want you specifically, Joseph Michael Svensson, to uh, be at this church and for me to use you there. Do I believe there's something deeper to it along those lines? Yes, I do, personally. But what I do not believe is that I'm the guy that everybody needs to be taking cues from. Because if I ever put myself in that position, I'm putting myself in a very unfair position because I know that I don't have my act together like that. I'm also putting you guys in an unfair position because eventually, if you follow me close enough and you listen to me close enough and you're around me enough, I will fail you. And then, because you've been taught that's the guy you take your cues from, and you're in like a little faith crisis. Because you're like, well, wait a second, what does all this mean? I thought that person was supposed to be different. And that's what I'm trying to say is, no, that's, that's, there is no difference. We're all in the same boat, and God is using us all. How crazy is it that he's using a guy that said, no, God, I don't want to do it because I don't love these people. Which, let's remind ourselves, what's the point of Christianity? Jesus said it very nicely. Love, love God and love others as I have loved you and as you have loved yourself. That's not exactly how he said it, but if you put a bunch of scriptures together, that's the truth. Like, it's important to love yourself. It's important to love others. And then, oh yeah, real love for the Father is from the Father to us, not in the reverse order. True love we're recipients of.
1: And I really do believe that
0: until we are okay with knowing just the depths of our brokenness, I don't believe that we will be able to find the sort of healing that we're looking for. Because I think the the sort of healing we're looking for is in the very depths of our being when we can say, no matter what happens in life, I'm okay because I have God. Now, if God wants to do anything extra for me, by all means, I will receive with open arms and with a thankful heart. And I will even ask for it because he wants me to ask and he says I'll receive. But my starting point is I have God, I have everything. And it's, and it's God doing these exposing things in our hearts that does that sort of thing. That story of me two nights ago, it did that. It reminded me of just what life was all about, my relationship with God and then other people. It's just, that's unmatched territory. So God exposes self-righteousness. If you think that, uh, if you're wondering whether you have some self-righteousness, then just go ahead and answer that question right now. We all do. We all think that we're a little better in in certain areas. and, and, And you know what? Maybe you're right, but self-righteousness starts to click in when we actually think we're better people because of these little areas where we find success in. And I do find it remarkable that typically the sorts of bad stuff that people do that bother us the most are the things that we don't struggle with. The things that we struggle with, we don't have that big of a deal, that big of an issue with, uh, I mean, everybody struggles with that sort of thing. But the stuff that we don't have any struggle with, and those are easy targets to say, I can't believe you're like that. How in the world would you ever do that? And we all just need to take a seat into knowing that our righteousness is on the cross with, with Jesus. Like, like, like our sins were on the cross with Jesus. And when he rose from the dead, he has, he is the righteousness. He is our righteousness. So when we look at Jesus, that, that is our righteousness. It has nothing to do with what we do and don't do, and we need to let that sink in. And so that brings us to uh, grace. From the back part of your sheet, grace is an undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. Undeserved gift from an unobligated giver. God did not have to use Jonah. God did not have to show those people what true love from a father looks like. God didn't have to slow down and, and turn them from their ways. God didn't have to meet me at that moment and show me a life lesson when I was being a baby. He did not have to. I did not deserve that. And yet that's what he did. And nobody, nobody twisted his arm. Can I be honest with you? In that moment where I was a madman, I didn't once say, God, will you please help me? I asked him to help me find that daggone pipe, but I did not ask him to change my attitude. I did not ask for his help. I did not say, Lord, I'm, I'm being really messed up right now. Can you intervene? Can you give me a, a heart of gladness? And ask for any of it, and he did it. He did it. Because at the end of that whole deal, when I realized just how wasteful that time and emotion and how it was connected to such frivolous stuff, I walked away from that, just completely changed. So we'll end here, that God exposes uh, comfort. Oh man, I love this, because y'all want to hear an unbelievable fact. And this is, uh, so just to give you a little, little background information, we, we do have a guy here on staff that does a lot of research for the pastors, us pastors, we're not that. That's smart to know all this stuff without asking somebody. I mean, come on. So we've got a guy here that, uh, that, that you know, will do some deeper research and everything and, and give some really neat conclusions and things to think about. And I was, as I was talking to someone this morning, uh, my friend Jack told me this. He said, there's only one person in the Bible who was ever used to change a whole city and to win them completely over. god a city completely won for god a city completely captivated by god's love a city completely changed forevermore there's only one time it's ever happened in the bible and it was jonah who was a part of that and that's nineveh and that's historical and jonah was not better than jesus we all know that but that's not even something that jesus had on his resume because we know that wasn't the point of Jesus' ministry to you know, make everything perfect right then and there it was to make a way for God's redemption to be able to continue. It wasn't about winning cities necessarily, but getting the seeds out, getting those disciples ready to send them all over the world. Jonah's the only person in the Bible that was used to turn a whole city over to God. And it was because of a split second of Jonah having to say, you know what? <laughs> I'm more comfortable with letting these people be it in their little la la land away from God. I don't like that thought. I don't like them. I'd rather them be over there. And personally, I don't want to go on a trip. Don't want to go to Nineveh. Don't like it. That's like if somebody asked me to be a missionary in Columbia. Don't want to. Don't want to go. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. I mean, Columbia is a bunch of, it's just like a big parking lot, it seems like to me. It seems like a lot of concrete. It's too hot. You gotta let us out if the mountains or ocean. Okay, that's my philosophy. But God exposes his level of comfort and he shakes it up one time and then a whole city benefits from it. And so uh as the worship team can come up here. And uh, so so just looking at that point on comfort, I want us to all ask ourselves this question, and before I ask a question like this, I always want to make sure we don't let go of grace here because God's, God loves you completely right now. There's nothing you can do to change that. You are completely loved. And so none of this stuff is supposed to come across as any sort of like a guilt trip, but more of a, let's let our, mind, let's let our eyes be open to how unbelievable... Of a thing that God can do if we just open the door a little bit to being uncomfortable. And uh, comfortable and, and having comfort, please don't let some crazy, radical pastor or even someone outside of church say that's a bad thing. That's why we put jackets on when it's cool outside to be comfortable. Like, there's, th- there's nothing wrong with the concept of being comfortable. It's just anything in excess... And so what I would say excess may look like for first world country, middle class uh, folks, um, which comprises of, I would say, most people in, in our surroundings. What, what being too comfortable would mean is that we've just put our, pretty much put our 24-7, seven days a week, we're kind of in a mode, and we're never inconvenienced, We never lay any of our time to the side for others. We never are going to part with any money that we bring in to to help someone down the street. You know, we're never going to give up our time or anything. We're just kind of in our flow. We're in our groove. And so this is safe. This is what we are going to do. And I would say you could could probably, definitely, you could do that. Still be a recipient of God's love but here's here's what I think God would want us to know is man I want I want a better life for you I really want you to have life abundantly as I think how God would answer that and he said and you're not going to get it that way you're just not and so oftentimes it really does take us just saying you know what I, I, be- I believe that I believe there's more for me and then we just have to take a conscious step because it's never going to be like, okay, now things are lined up and we're good to go with our schedule and now we have margin and and now we can uh, (coughs) serve other people a little bit more. It's never gonna be the case, really. So it really just takes a conscious decision.